Where in your life are you wondering, is this it? Because that is where destiny is calling to you. I want to invite you to take the free Future Regrets Finder quiz. This is a free quiz that I created so you can locate exactly where destiny is inviting you to live a big, magical, I can't believe that happened life. You can take the free quiz at jessicaell.com slash quiz. And now let's get into today's episode. Today, I am talking about the willing suspension of disbelief. I use this a lot. I rely on this, I should say, a lot as a fiction author. And I want to introduce you to the concept today and tell you how you can put it to work for you as you go about taking your leaps of faith. You are listening to Ill-Advised, a show of ideas and insights for women who are ready to bet on themselves, go all in, and take that leap into faith, even if doing so could be considered ill-advised. I'm your host, Jessica L. Let's see what happens. Okay, here's what I've been doing lately. I just finished reading a novel that I've read many times before. I just got an email from the author, actually. He called me his number one influencer for this series. So I am going to act like an influencer and tell you about it. The book is called The White Magic Five and Dime. It's part of the Tarot Mystery series written by a guy named Steve Hawkinsmith. And Steve is one of the best mystery authors that I have had the pleasure of reading because he is so funny. His big series that he's most known for is called Holmes on the Range. And it's about a couple of cowboys who go about solving mysteries like Sherlock Holmes. Those books are very good, but the Tarot Mystery series is, I think, my favorite set of fiction that I've ever read. They just bring me so much joy and pleasure to read. If you enjoy very smart, laugh-out-loud dialogue and you like tarot, then you have to go read The White Magic Five and Dime. So good. Highly recommend. So I just finished rereading The White Magic Five and Dime. And then I picked up another novel that I was influenced to read by a bookstagrammer that I knew in my life as Lydia Lane, the fiction writer. And I am not a huge romance novel reader. There's there are so many different genres in romance now. And with varying levels of spice or steam or whatever they call it, I don't know. That's not my world. But I started reading this book. And what is it called? The Seven Month Itch. That's what it's called. And I'm enjoying it. It's a fine, easy read. It's silly. And I find myself thinking at various stages as I'm reading that would never happen. Like, this is ridiculous. That would never happen because it's quite unrealistic. I think the premise and the way that people are acting, they don't seem realistic to me. To me, I I probably wouldn't act that way myself. Regardless, I noticed that I'm enjoying it anyway, and I am willing to keep reading. Like, I don't actually care that these things seem silly or unlikely or any of that stuff. I'm enjoying the book and I am just choosing to continue reading it regardless of the likelihood or the reality of the plotline. I am willingly suspending my disbelief. I first learned about this a long, long time ago. I can't remember when, maybe in high school. But I want to share with you an explanation of this concept from Wikipedia. 
And Wikipedia says that suspension of disbelief is the avoidance, often described as willing, of critical thinking and logic in understanding something that is unreal or impossible in reality, such as something in a work of speculative fiction, in order to believe it for the sake of enjoying its narrative. Historically, the concept originates in the Greco-Roman principles of theater, wherein the audience ignores the unreality of fiction to experience catharsis from the actions and experiences of the characters. And as a fiction author, I rely on my readers' willing suspension of disbelief in order to write stories about a jilted bride and a drunken divorcee who solve murders at a tropical resort. I need for people to suspend their disbelief in order for them to enjoy the story and hopefully gain something from it. And that's exactly what the entire concept is about. You're not suspending your disbelief for no reason. You're getting something out of it. In the context of Greek and Roman theater, those audiences were going in order to experience a shift in their thinking. They weren't going purely for entertainment purposes. They were hoping to get something out of it, to experience a shift in thinking, catharsis, whatever it might be. And the same thing is true when it comes to leaps of faith and changing your life. You're going to need to get good at practicing suspending your own disbelief in order to experience the shifts and the possibility that is waiting for you. Let's talk about the baseline for most people. When most people come to me, either as clients or when they enter my world as a friend or a colleague or someone just passing through, these people usually have a few things in common because I think they're common to everyone. Number one, they believe everything they think. And usually what they think is a story. If you were to package up all their thoughts as a story and give it a title, it would be called something like, and of course she failed, or of course he failed, of course it didn't work out, and then everything was terrible. It would be a story, a book that was titled something like that. The other thing that I notice is that people think all their thoughts are incredibly serious. They are incredibly factual. They are incredibly obvious and infallible and should be taken very, very seriously. And finally, and this is especially true of people who come to me for coaching, they are invariably stuck, quote unquote stuck, to one degree or another in some facet of their lives. And the reason it's so easy for me to see this in other people is because I was this person for a lot of years, a lot, a lot of years. But I want to tell one story about when it showed up the most and where I lost something because I could not suspend my own disbelief. So let's go back 10 years, roughly. No, actually, go back almost 15 years, almost 15. So I was going to go to law school. I've talked about this before. And I had gotten a scholarship to a top 10 law school and I paid my seat deposit. And I was taking one year off. I deferred my enrollment to take a year off to kind of decompress and do some other things. And the truth is, 
My boyfriend at the time was living in Arizona and I wanted to go spend a year with him. So I'd taken this year off. And before I applied to law school, I had started with a belief that getting in was the hardest part. And that once I was in, I was going to be set and I was going to be fine. And life was going to be like sunshine and daisies ever since. Like that was the belief that I had about law school. And then I got in. I accepted my scholarship, I paid my seat deposit, and I moved to Arizona. And then for the course of that year, I spent all of my time basking in an internet forum where people were obsessed over being in the top half of the class. So I I don't know if this website even exists anymore, but it was called toplawschools.com. And it was just message boards from people who had gone to top 14 law schools, who were going at the time, who were trying to get in. And if you can imagine that an online forum tends to attract a certain kind of person, and especially one that's geared toward these you know, top tier law schools, it was a group of people who were very high performing and also very focused on high performance and very anxious about high performance. And that was what I stewed in for a year. And these people were saying things like, you know, we, you have to be in the top half of the class if you want to get XYZ job. And if you want to pay back your law school loans, you have to get XYZ job. And don't forget, never forget that only half of the class can be in the top half. When I got into these law schools, And I was thinking, sweet, this is going to be great. I'm all set. I'm going to kill it. Everything's going to be great. I started to believe different things when I was following these forums and I was reading all this stuff. I started to believe stuff like, oh, my God, it's only going to get worse. I have such a slim chance of succeeding. Everyone is going to be better than me. Like, I'm not going to cut it. I was so afraid to speak up in college in classes. I I can't possibly be a good lawyer. I can't possibly get up in front of a room full of people and talk. I have nothing to offer my class. Like this class is going to be filled with brilliant people, with engineers, maybe even some people who already have graduate degrees. And I'm just this 22-year-old. I have nothing to offer these people. I am going to be the stupidest, least accomplished person in the room. And I started to believe these things. And if I could have titled this story anything, it would have been, she isn't good enough. I'm not good enough. I started to believe these things and I never stopped. I didn't stop believing them. Interestingly, the only way I could ever have found out if these beliefs were true or false was to buy the ticket and take the ride. I I talk about that a lot. Hey, if you're going to find out something, You can only find out by doing it. You have to buy the ticket. You have to go on the ride. And for me, that would have been taking a leap of faith and actually enrolling in school. But I didn't. I didn't. I ended up withdrawing. I emailed the University of Virginia and I said, I'm not coming. And they kept my $1,000. And I went to work for a nonprofit in Tucson, Arizona, making $13 an hour. And that choice was ultimately correct for me. It led me to a very interesting life. And I'm very happy that I'm not a lawyer. 
But the lesson in all of this, I think, was truly the reason that things transpired the way it did. Because it showed me, not immediately, I didn't immediately know this, but it is so clear in hindsight, that the only reason I didn't go to law school is not because I wasn't smart enough. It's not because I wasn't tough enough or good enough or resilient enough to handle it. It's because I was unable to suspend these beliefs that were not serving me. I was unable to suspend my disbelief in myself. Let's talk about the power of belief. Everything you do is driven by belief, whether you are aware of it or not. And if you can identify your actions and pause long enough to rewind the tape of your thinking, you will eventually land on a belief of some kind, whether it's in your favor or not. And to use the law school example, all like that choice of ultimately emailing and saying, I'm not coming, you can trace all of those actions that led up to that, all of the course of events to the belief that I couldn't cut it, that I wasn't going to be able to make it. And what I've learned since is that anytime you are going to do something for the first time, anytime you're going to take a leap of faith, that you're going to bet on yourself, that you're going to try something you've never done before, you are going to have to suspend your disbelief. Because a really potent one that I have noticed in myself and that I have seen in clients is a belief that I have never been able to do it before. And when we say that, that feels true. Feels very factual. You know, I've never been to law school before. Yeah, that's true. We can point to that and we can agree. That's a fact. But there's an unspoken half of that belief. And it sounds like this. I've never been able to do it before, comma, and that means I won't be able to do it now. And that unspoken thing that I, it means I won't be able to do it now is the disbelief that needs to be suspended. And so maybe there are opportunities that you have passed up because you had a belief that stopped you. You were believing things about yourself that made it impossible for you to take advantage of that opportunity, of that introduction, of that chance to do something new. But belief can also drive you to do new things, things you've never done before. It can convince you to take chances, to expand out of your comfort zone, to have an experience of life that you've never had before. But it's oftentimes a jump to go from, I don't believe in myself at all, which is fundamentally what all of this is about, to on the other end of the spectrum, I believe in myself wholeheartedly. And this gap, the middle of the spectrum, is where the suspension of disbelief comes in handy. I think of the suspension of disbelief when it comes to personal development and achieving your goals and going after big new dreams as a way to bridge the gap between disbelief and belief. Suspending your disbelief is like entering no man's land. If you can close your eyes and imagine really solid conviction on two sides of a field. So on one side, you have a really strong negative conviction that this can't happen. 
I can't do this. This isn't possible for me on one side. And on the other side, this fierce conviction that it is possible. I can do it. It's practically already done. In the middle of that is the no man's land where things are just more relaxed. We don't feel convinced of anything when you are in no man's land. It's simply a place of curiosity. Just like when you're picking up a fantasy novel or you're picking up some kind of silly billionaire romance novel, you aren't expecting to be convinced of anything. (laughs) You're just curious about the story. You're not expecting to be like, okay, at the end of this novel, I expect to be convinced that wizards exist and it's just a matter of time before some man with a helicopter comes along and sweeps me off my feet just by me like stumbling into his office to do an article. What was the story from Fifty Shades of Grey? She was like interviewing him for an article or something. Anyway, the novel is not trying to convince you of those situations eventually happening for you. And you aren't expecting that. You're just curious. You just want to read a good story. And the same thing is true about exploring your own possibilities. On one side of the field is all of your disbelief, all of your, I've never done it before, it's too unlikely, most people don't succeed, that kind of stuff doesn't happen for people like me. That's all on one side. And on the other side is the stuff like, oh, I've done this a thousand times before. I succeed every single time I do something. This is easy for me. All of the super positive thoughts. In the middle, when you suspend your disbelief and detach from it just a little bit, it's quiet. You aren't trying to race across the field to believe. You're not trying to force yourself to believe and feel things that you may not believe or feel yet. You're just walking to the center of the field. You're just walking a little bit away from the disbelief. And so my question to you is, can you suspend your disbelief for a little bit of time each day? Can you put it aside? Can you just leave it in the corner for a little while? And there are a lot of tools and practices to suspend your disbelief. You can use what-if questions. You can use mantras. You can do thought work. Like, pick your trick. They all work. And I use and coach with all of them. In fact, one of my favorite mantras I actually heard in a Bryce Vine loud luxury song years ago. And it's called, what's the song called? Oh, my gosh. I can't remember. But there is a line in this song, and it goes, we don't have to believe everything they think. And it's true. We don't have to believe everything that other people think about us. And we don't have to believe everything that we think about ourselves. And that's what I want to leave you with. You don't have to believe everything you think, especially not about yourself. And this is a practice. It's practice. And that means that you're going to have to try and you're going to have to practice doing it. But I promise it is among the most rewarding things you can do. You don't have to fight against your negative beliefs and you don't have to try to brainwash yourself or force yourself into affirmations and mantras that don't feel true yet. Because both of those things are being in resistance. But if you can just say, you know what? 
I'm going to suspend my disbelief for 30 minutes today, just like I do when I pick up a novel, just like when I do when I sit down to watch TV or watch a movie. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be a stressful thing. There's no huge issue with this. I'm just going to suspend my disbelief for a little while. And if this is work that you know you need to do, like if you know that you're stuck in disbelief about yourself and what is possible for your life, but you also know really deep down, like really, really know that you are capable of so much more, I am now offering a six-month private coaching program. It's called Jump, and it is for people who know they are holding themselves back and they are ready to take a leap into faith, and they want some guidance leading up to the jump. I think a lot of times we imagine taking a leap of faith as something that like it's zero to 100 in one jump, and oftentimes that's not what happens. Because if you are at zero right now in your faith and in your belief in yourself, you're never going to actually get to the ledge from which you can actually jump. Let's build the foundation of belief and trust and gather evidence of you actually doing some things that push you outside your comfort zone so you get closer to the ledge. You get closer to the place where you can actually take a leap into faith. And that is what we do in Jump. And it is a chance to work with me long term to become the kind of person who makes really big bets on yourself. I will be at your side, believing in you, holding you accountable, keeping the magic close. Because when you become someone who bets on yourself, you have reached the place, as I like to call it, where everything is possible and this is just the beginning. Jump is weekly calls, unlimited access to me via Slack for six months. And I have three slots available. So if one of them is yours, send me an email or a DM, jessicaell.com, and I'll see you on the other side. Until next week, I hope something very interesting comes your way. Cheers. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, join the ill-advised email list. Each week, I will send you a useful email full of ways you can chart your own ill-advised path toward a big, magical, I can't believe that happened life. Sign up at jessicaL.com slash join. And as always, let's see what happens. Hey, if this episode inspired you, take the free Future Regrets Finder quiz. If you've ever wondered, is this as good as it gets? It isn't too late to send yourself in a new direction. Take the quiz at jessicaell.com slash quiz.